a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. has gotten off to a rather strange start, hasn't it? It most certainly has. And so we felt like we should get into the studio and do an extra episode of the Wellness Collective to talk about feelings around the disaster that has taken over a vast part of our country, Australia. Right. And I guess our intent is to help everybody because a lot of us are feeling quite helpless. But also, it's not just applicable to Australia. Whenever mm. there is this type of disaster, what do you actually do? How can we actually be proactive and supportive? And and it, it's like anything. How do you how do you do the right things and eliminate the wrong things? And the only way you know that is by getting people to talk about and mm. and and learn from their experiences who've already been through it or have that other side of understanding. One of the things that comes out of seeing so much disaster and. Um, I don't know, difficulty on your screens everywhere, on the radio, on social media, everywhere you turn, there is just news about the bushfires that are happening. Uh, and it's very easy just to become angry and, and so on. So, yeah, today's episode, we are speaking to Alita Harvey, who has been on the Wellness Collective before, speaking in a professional capacity, but she's actually living through it at the moment and also... For the second time. ...lived through it <laughs> 10 years ago yes. through the Black Saturday fires where she lost everything, and she is our first guest today. Hi. Um, in Yorobin, which is just in between Bright and Myrtleford, and all the fires are just over the back hill at the moment. Right. And are they coming your way? The wind is blowing them towards a town called Rowley at the moment. They've just been evacuated and the King Valley has just been evacuated. Yeah. Um, the wind, so it, fires all just depend on the wind. So it says that it's going to turn towards um, southwest and south-southwest mm-hmm. um, later on this afternoon, which will blow it towards us. So, yeah. Okay. Part of the reason we wanted to get you on was because this isn't your first experience with a fire and having to be evacuated. So, I guess we want to learn, um, we want to learn lots of things, but I want you to sort of talk about your first experience with that. Yeah. So, um, my first experience with the fires um, wasn't great. I mean, no experience with fires is great. My first experience is um, during the dreadful fires called Black Saturday um, where I lost my home, pets and all of our neighbours in King Lake. We lived on a road called Bald Spur Road and um, right across the road from me was a sign saying King Lake National Park. So you can imagine we were just surrounded by a dense bush. That day the fires came through at about 200 kilometres an hour. Today we're suspected to get winds of about 90 kilometres per hour. So that's going to move really fast and then fires create their own ecosystem as well. Um, So it came through. Nobody really had time to leave. No one had time to leave, actually. We were just really lucky that um, we weren't home that day. Mm, mm. And so, I mean, that's probably a different experience because you are home and you have to prepare, whereas if you're not home, you can't be prepared. And I don't think any is any better at all, really, is it? <laughs> uh, it's really interesting, actually. And this is, I mean, this is the beautiful thing about having perspective from losing our home and our friends and everything like that to being in a very different position now. Um, Yes, you can prepare, but 
it really you really need to take consideration of what your surroundings are. So if, in King Lake, unfortunately, there were no um, Vic emergency apps, which only came out because of the Royal Commission, which was fantastic, um, which I think has saved a lot of lives this time. But you really need to take into consideration your surroundings. We are in a place right now that um, on my farm, we've got big open paddocks. Um, the bush is in the hills, which is probably about... 500 metres away from the house, um, you know, so it just changes the scenario dramatically. In King Lake, we had one road in, one road out. It was a dirt track and we were surrounded by bush. So, yes, you can be prepared, but you need to consider the location and how close um, how close the bush is to your house as to whether you should stay or go. And so you, are you encouraged to have, prior even to Black Saturday, were you encouraged to have an evacuation plan? I grew up in the country and I remember there were ads on television all the time as kids. I don't think anyone ever took them seriously, but everyone was encouraged to have an evacuation plan. Yeah, we did have an evacuation plan. Um, those couldn't be um, initiated because we didn't know the fire was coming that day. Unfortunately, so every town that has a CFA, so just like you know, all, all growing up, we always had our, our, our fire plans. We always had everything ready. Everything was always packed. And I don't ever think we unpacked that bag. I mean, it probably still has clothes in it from when I was like three. Um, but but at that time, there were the fire trucks, the CFA were all fighting fires in St Andrews. And legally, what's, and this is the big, mess that kind of happened is that you're supposed to have fire trucks at every station, at least one. And there were no trucks that day. There was nobody to let off the alarm. Some guy came running down from King Lake West where the fires first started coming into King Lake and came down and just started yelling and everybody's like, what are you doing here? King Lake's on fire. You've got to get out. And, mm. um, and that, that was, you know, it was too late by then. So um, having a fire plan sometimes doesn't go to plan you but in saying that this big emergency app has been so great now we know what our options are ahead of time because the CFA um, and the government are alerting us to what will happen so right now in our township is what's called a watch and act watch and act means if you are not in if you don't need to be in the area as if you're a holiday goer or something like that just leave it's safer to get out Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to an emergency situation, which is what we had just um, five days ago, and we left, um, and we've come back to reset and prepare for today because we know today is going to be a really intense, a really intense day. And that's what most people would do. That would be local. They would have evacuated and then now come back to prepare again. How do you prepare yeah. again? What do you have to do? <sighs> Um, just, you know, make any decisions, you know, retrospectively, what are any decisions that you would change from the way that you set it up last time? Is there anything that you need to protect? Are there any hoses that need to be changed? Or is there anything that didn't work? Do you need to get more fuel for your generator? Do you need to fix anything that's going on in a, in a fire pump? Um, is there any other leaves or debris that's around your house that needs to be moved? So like this morning, we spent today um, doing all of those things and then also moving wood away from some of the fire tanks that we didn't have time to move last time. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you're prepared? I feel like we're definitely prepared. We have like 50 P2 masks sitting downstairs. Um, yeah. Okay. We're, we're, de- we're, definitely, we're definitely prepared for whatever comes our way. You know, hopefully it doesn't. Either way, somebody's going to be sad today. Right, yeah, which makes it awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
so here's the thing. I think us watching on, we're in the city and we, you know, we can definitely see and feel the effects of the smoke and the, the air quality, but we're not in it. Um, and it can feel really um, difficult because the media are saying one thing. Um, it's obviously a time we need to come together. But what do you, is, you know, you're in it. What do we need to do out here? Like, is, what can we do? <laughs> Anything. I said, <laughs> I said this last time. Um, actually, it was really something that I noticed in myself last time. Is like just be kind to people. Mm. We're all under so much stress right now, and even you guys in the city, you're under stress because you don't know what to do. Um, the the bottom line, the basic thing that you can do is be kind to people. You don't know what anybody's going through in, in any given day. I remember. Two days after the house had burnt down, probably maybe it was five days after the house burnt down, I was driving through the city and, and I accidentally stopped in in a, in a place that wasn't I wasn't supposed to stop and this guy started yelling and screaming bloody murder at me and I was like, there are bigger things going on around here. Please don't get road rage. So just take comfort in the fact and find peace in the fact that you're okay. Mm is the first thing that I can say. Um, in terms of donations and things like that, if you are looking to do something, there is short-term things that you do can do and there's long-term things that you can do. And this is one of these things, again, this beautiful hindsight that I picked up from last time and seeing it happen this time is first thing is, you know, donate to the CFA, donate to wildlife um, conservation, um, give visa cards, don't give cards that isolate people um, into shopping with like Woolworths or Coles, try and get cards that can open up to the local community. Um, and if you don't have any money or you have donated and you don't know what to do next, think about what you can do for the future. So, Think about like I have personally registered myself for a wildlife protection and a wildlife um, caring course that's coming up in April. Um, look for things like that. Look to join your local CFA um, and see if there's any opportunities. Like if you're a builder or something like that, think about how you can maybe help some of these communities rebuild because people are living in tents at the moment and it's not going to change if they're in King Lake, it took months before houses were rebuilt. You know, think about how you can open up your home to to help people because and, – and don't expect it to be short-term because it's not going to be. I think also um, – I don't know if you want to touch on this too, probably better coming from you than me if we cut me out. Um, <laughs> people, I think it's a time to not be – political. <laughs> I think oh, it's a time gosh. to just come together, like put your put your differences aside and rally together. Just be kind. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. This is not a time to be political. This you know, that's not where our focus should be. Our focus needs to be on the people, it needs to be on the land and it needs to be on the animals. Um again, like I just go back to being kind. There's no kindness in having political arguments with people. It doesn't help anybody. It makes people more angry and we need people to grieve and let go of their sadness and move through that motion and creating access anger is not going to help. There was a woman the other day that was screaming and yelling through her Facebook and I just thought, this is just such a waste of energy. Mm. It's okay. Whatever's going to happen there is going to happen. Let's come back and focus on who we are and what we need and, and being human beings and kind to each other. Just smile at somebody. You don't know how much of a difference that might make to somebody's day. I know. I've definitely, um, that's what I 
came up with initially because I didn't know what to do. And so before I even made that um, decision to create that GoFundMe, which was, I didn't know what to do, but I had to do something. So I was, my message yeah. to everyone was, can you just do something? Like, just don't sit just there do and something. do something, you know. Um, and that's, hug someone. That's right. But I was like, someone. a stranger, it doesn't matter. Someone crying in the street doesn't have to be someone that's in the fires because it's the energy of that that, that brings us all together. So let's do more the of collective. that, you know. It's the collective. You're not going to be able to. I can't hug you right now, even though I'd love to. I can't. <laughs> but I can hug other people when we come together. The other thing too, um, and I saw this and I, I'd love to get this message out there as well, is what about um, blood donation? I think that that's not everyone can afford to donate um, and not everybody has the liberty of their time. Maybe you're injured or whatever. um, But I think blood donations is a really big one as well. Yeah, blood donations is is a really big one. I've seen a few people, you know, take being proactive and, and, and donating blood. And don't just do it because you're, don't just do it just right now. Start now, but make this a ritual because these things aren't going to stop. This is our country. You know, these things aren't going to stop or floods aren't going to stop, cyclones aren't going to stop and we always we always need that help and support. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, do you have anything else that you had in your notes that you wanted to say? Yes. Please don't donate clothes. Yeah. Um, we, when, when you're in a bushfire, when you've lost everything, um, you want, you need to find your sense of self-identity again and that's not in wearing other people's clothes and whilst it's helpful for a short period of time um a lot of the clothes that get sent um are old clothes that people if you don't want to wear them other people probably don't want to wear them either um we've seen clothes in clothing drives now that have holes in them like we're not Sounds, we're not homeless. We've lost our home. Mm. We've lost our sense of identity and we need to find that again within ourselves. So Kmart, Visa gift, Kmart cards, Target cards, Visa gift cards, anything you can give that can help us to go and try and get something to feel normal a normal again whilst we're going through this turmoil is really helpful. Please, you know, don't donate old clothes. Because at the end of the day, the other thing that happened is that we had piles and piles and, I mean, piles of clothes like you've never seen before that we had to figure out how to get rid of from from our local um, shires and, and our refuge centres. And then it's like we've got this other issue that we have to deal with, which is like somebody sent us like a tonne of oranges. Thank you, but we can't eat a tonne of oranges but like we're a town of 500 people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also, I really want to say this is that um, for tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, if you feel helpless, if you're overseeing the news and how terrible it is, then make a change. Start looking after the planet. Um, Her people, her plants, her animals, they've all suffered and we can't deny that. She's endured thousands of years of fires and she uses it to regenerate. What she can't regenerate is what we do to her on a daily basis. So think about what you buy when you go into Woolies. Think about who you buy from as well. Um, I want everybody really to make a pledge that this year, 2020 and the years beyond is a is time for us to make a conscious effort about how we consume. She can deal with the fires. She can't deal what we're putting into her. Mm. She can't deal with that and we need to be able to help her. She, she, 
Mother Earth has created a, an acid lake in Ethiopia to try and cope with, just like we have our human bodies and you know this better than anyone, we try to store our acid somewhere. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's usually in our guts. Um, and, um, and she's doing exactly the same thing. She's a living being and she's been sustaining us for so long, but she has, doesn't know what to do with, our, with what we do in a modern day. So please make conscious efforts about what you can what you consume and how you consume and how um, how you reuse what you consume. I just really want to make sure that we're really looking after the planet because she can do bits on her own, but she can't cope with everything. We need to do our part. The other thing that we also need, sorry, we also need um, any medicines. So um, if you're a diabetic or something like that and you have any medicine that you can um, send into communities of other people that um, need medications, please do that. The other thing that we need is hay for animals. There's livestock that, that did live um, that doesn't, our paddocks aren't going to grow fast enough to sustain what they eat on a normal day. So there's certainly many things to take away from that. And what I really love the most though is it comes back to being kind to each mm -hmm. other you know how can as we a, as everything should <laughs> totally of course but I think now really is that time and how amazing are Australians when we need to be you know let's mm -hmm. come together and I think even when you put all the other stuff aside the politics and the even whatever your own thoughts or beliefs are when it really comes down to it and you know some of us might not even be aware that we're being negative about it but when we're reminded I think we go, oh, yeah, that's right, actually. Mm, yeah. That's what I can do. Yep. So we can all do something, <laughs> which is nice to know because mm -hmm. it is easy to feel helpless. Right, next we are going to talk to the guys from Headspace about coping mechanisms and speaking to kids about what's going on as well. Right, so after your discussion with Alita, who is in the midst of dealing with a bushfire on her property or very near to her property, we have reached out to uh, some professionals to help us, or a professional, I'll say, to help us talk about some coping mechanisms for the rest of us that might not be in that situation, but who are dealing with this whole disaster unfolding. So can you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Rupert Saunders. I'm a registered psychologist. I currently work for Headspace, the Youth Mental Health Foundation, in the role of senior clinical advisor. Right. Now, this must be a pretty busy time for you because there is a lot of stuff happening out there that are making people feel very, uh, what's the word? Wobbly is the word I'm going to go with. Yeah. What do we do? Like, how do we, especially if you're not directly affected by this situation, how do we cope with it? Well, I think the important thing to remember when we're dealing with a natural disaster like a bushfire is that no one is going to react or respond to a natural disaster like a bushfire in exactly the same way. So I think it's really important to just to remind ourselves that there is no prescribed or right way that we could be responding to the events that are unfolding in our, unfolding in our community. So I think uh, taking a step just to reflect and own the fact that um, how we're feeling is going to be different and unique. But um, I think the really important thing we can all be doing is seeking connection, whether we're immediately affected by bushfire or whether we are observing the um, events unfolding in our communities on um, television and media. It's just making sure that we are connected with um, people that make us feel safe. And yeah, that's right. really that's lovely because we had a leader just before and she said exactly the same thing as a someone who's survived and now living that again mm. um, is 
you know, that's definitely the one thing we can do. And, you know, be kind, come together, be a community, support each other. It can feel very um, strange to be here and trying to live your life when half the country is certainly not doing that or they're in a survival or a um, role where they are protecting. Um, You know, how do we cope with that? Because I know that's what I've found really difficult, you know, took my little boy to the movies the other day and sitting in the movies thinking, gosh, (laughs) should we really be here? But you can't not live your life either. Mm. I, I think they're really important questions. And I think at a time when we're all facing some sort of traumatic event is remaining true to our role. That goes for people who are immediately affected. The one thing we've, we know from psychological first aid is supporting people to be within their role and have capacity, whether that's a child and being able to be a child and play games. We first, obviously, we want to remove any threat to danger and making sure that people feel safe, but giving people the opportunity to be within their role. So, um, yeah, like yourself, taking your young person to the movies, that's a great thing because you are fulfilling your role um, and it's going to be protective for you in the long term. But also it gives us time to have a bit of a breather and go, what is it that we can do for um, supporting our communities? Because the other thing too is we can't all head to the site. We can't all, <laughs> we can't all right? It's not helpful. And, you know, what we can do though is if you're in a position to work and make money, then there's a opportunity to then donate, for example, or if you're on holidays, perhaps you can give your time somewhere or there's things that we can do, but we can't stop is what I think is important because the country is in disaster. The rest of us can't just sit here and stop. We have to keep on going so that we can be our best selves to then support, to then go on and be able to provide what they are going to need that we can provide for them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I think too it's interesting if you talk about if you are directly affected by this, if you've lost your house and everything, that, I can't imagine how difficult that would be to then, as you say, be yourself, like find mm. that, that thing that makes you feel safe and, and mm. like you've got some control over the situation. Is that something as humans we need to feel like we have a bit of control? I wouldn't say control, I would say feel like we're engaged in the process of contributing to um, our collective destiny. So yeah, um, control, you know, it's got a strong, powerful connotation still, but as much as we can empower people to feel like they're working towards something in the future, it's actually going to bolster hope and hope is really what we need for the community. So whether that is supporting, being a supportive person, standing behind someone who has lost everything and going, I'm just here to support you if you want to run anything by because you're, you're confused by insurance companies or you're, you know, we're trying to reconnect power or phones, things like that. Or whether it is actually doing that, like you said, we, you know, we have the capacity to earn money, but later on the down the track, these communities are going to need support. So maybe it is that we plan a trip two, three months down the track to support this community to rebuild. So there are different ways we can stand behind to look forward to give power back to the people that are affected by these traumas. I think it's good to actually look at it too as a bigger picture, especially when it's a daily process and there's warnings going out and, you and you know, I get cold chills just even thinking about it. And the warnings that they're reading out on the radio at the moment, they go on for, you know, 10 minutes long, the amount of places that are that are still kind of under threat. Um, Absolutely. Um, I want to ask a question about speaking to kids because Mm. that's been difficult. I wanted the kids to actually look at some of the pictures so that they were involved and not necessarily really confronting pictures but for them to understand. My little boy said to me, do I have to look at it, Mum? Do I have to know? I don't want to know and how can I not know once you've told me? Mm. How do we support? And I know kids are from, you know, they're all different Mm. um, but 
how do we support our children through this? Because they're watching and they're watching us respond as well. Mm. I guess that's one part of it yes. is how we're responding. <laughs> but how do we support them? Well, I think you've hit it. Uh, right there is um, we as adults have a role to be role models for our young people. So we, you know, owning your response to it, this is something that's making me feel quite distressed and uneasy and sad for the community. Um, Labelling those emotions helps put words to those emotions. The more we can provide young people with kind of um, good modelling or really appropriate responses to uh, trauma, um, not everyone's going to respond the same, like I said earlier in um, our conversation, but um, supporting them to know that this is how I'm feeling, but we can talk about this and I'm here as a safe person. You might not want to talk about it right now. It might get in your mind and you might be thinking about it later on, but I'm here to talk about it with you. You know, obviously we don't want to overexpose um, our young people, but often this is a reality of living in Australia, unfortunately, mm. is that we are going to be vulnerable to bushfires. Obviously, the degree and severity of them is going to vary from year to year, and I can't comment on that. But what I would be saying to um, parents out there is... Um, if you are worried about your young person and the amount of exposure they're getting from social media, because we know there's a lot out there on social yep. media, is is limited or uh, sit with your young person and go through it and say, look, this is, you know, how are you feeling about this? This is how I'm feeling about it. What could we do? Maybe we might look into wildlife research or um, look mm. at ways we can contribute. So, you know, whenever we're feeling anxious about something, giving people an opportunity to, you know, coming back to that notion of control, maybe we'll do some research, maybe we'll look at what we can do in the future to support this community. Yep. Because this is, you know, at the moment community is in crisis, all we need to do is be there for the long haul for so communities. So, yeah, it's definitely not useful to pretend it's not happening for children. No, and you know the interesting thing too, like kids are so engaged with the process of stuff. Like I saw a video the other day of someone uh, had videoed their swimming pool, a helicopter yes. had come with a bucket and just like collect a big bucket of water from their swimming pool and gone to put it. I mean, the, I showed the kids and they're like, wow, that's yes. pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so to give it some context where it's not just doom and gloom, it's like, this is, look at what's actually mm. going on. Like, it's pretty amazing in a lot of ways. Yeah. And well, also, it brings out the kindness of strangers, which I, I think is a concept we talk about sometimes. I know, it, absolutely. It can it can be something that, um, you know, we kind of go, we want to protect them. We don't want them to actually know the reality of it. But also they're going to arrive at school or wherever in a few weeks' time and if everybody else is talking about it and they've got no idea what's going <laughs> on, that's confronting as well. That comes with its own other set of circumstances. So I think... Um, I think it is so important to enrol them on on a level that's appropriate for their age and their their capacity to understand. Mm. The other thing that I've noticed, and you know, crisis definitely does bring people together, but I've also noticed this other element of of people um, finding it mm. an interesting time to get political and. What do? What's the best way for us to handle that? I don't want to get into a discussion about politics. It's got nothing to do with that <laughs> at all. I'm not interested, sure? <laughs> actually. I really like just be kind. But but it's interesting. And I, I again, I think when we remind ourselves that we just need to be together, mm. not apart, I think people kind of go, oh. But it's it's like anything. You get bored. You get well, people get angry. Angry. Mm. That's it. Mm. They are angry, and and we're dealing with heightened emotions. So we can maybe buy into things that we ordinarily would have a different headspace around. I'm not even engaging in that. How can we diffuse or what's the best way to kind of just kind of go not now (laughs) without being rude? Well, I mean, you can own your feelings and say, you know, this is not a conversation I want to get involved in right now. But what I would be saying to people is that, you know, we do have heightened anxiety, heightened emotions and heightened feelings around this time of year. What I would be saying is um, not to get political, but to say, 
if this is something that, you know, makes you feel uncomfortable is is get informed, do mm. some research, do some reading, think about what Channel you Channel that energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it comes back to that notion that you mentioned before, being connected to community. We have a lot of community energy around this. We do want to help those people who are affected, but about being safe, being connected and being collaborative in rebuilding our f- future together is really important at this time. So I think that plays into that. People want to be feeling like they have a role here. People want to mm. feel like they can contribute to this space. So I would encourage people... Maybe do some research. Maybe look into what you can do in your local space. Yeah. Yeah. My husband joined the CFA, actually, and he went to his first bushfire last week. And it was really interesting because emotionally I had people sending me text messages going, is he all right? And I actually didn't feel worried about him because he was new and I knew that they wouldn't put him on the front line, you know. But it it was a really horrible, hot day and it was a grass fire and it wasn't that far from our house. And it was the first time I had actually had to stop and go, this could actually mean we have to leave. Like I actually do need to look at this and protect the kids and, you know, get get your stuff and all, like get it all, all the ducks in line. So it was a really weird day for me, but I I got a taste of what it was like for people who could be losing everything. It's all these heightened emotions and these these it's already heightened. You already touched on that. We've just had Christmas and New Year's. We're already in that that heightened kind of state of whether we're with families or it's you know tricky period. Some people have lost things and and then to add this, I think we've just really got to think about all angles and be kind. Well, I think also too one thing that struck me that day was when I got my little box and I put the things that I felt were important in the box to stick in the car. I was like at the end of the day people are the most important mm. thing. You know, things are things and stuff is stuff and while the idea of losing everything is horrendous, you know, people can't be replaced but buildings can. Mm. And Absolutely. I think that's probably something that we need to think of for the communities Absolutely. that have been affected too. So one last question we have, what do we say after there has been this type of loss if someone's lost their house or maybe even a loved one? How do you, what do you say? Because <laughs> I think so often we don't know what to say. Yeah, it's a tricky question, isn't it? It's tricky. Mm. How, how do we empathise with people? I right, guess? because, I mean, very often we're really good at saying we don't mean it, but we say the wrong thing. You know, yes. <laughs> when there's been loss, we're like, oh, don't worry, this blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. it's just a house. Yeah. I, think, I think it's really important that we just be with people, be connected. And, you know, if you're having a tough time, whether it's in result, a result of this or just generally in your life and someone comes up to you and says, oh man, this, this thing that's in my life is not great at the moment. Mm. Just being with them going, oh, I, I don't even know how that would feel right now. But being in that collective shared space actually is healing and nurturing. The worst thing we can do is like the sympathy route, which is silver lining things and going, oh yes, but yes. because it downplays that emotions. I think validate this has been really, really tough time for people. Acknowledge that they've been through and lost things or may have lost people in their lives that are important to them or a really cherished memory um, or a cherished possession. But just giving people that space to talk through and go, wow. And also don't try and solve it. Well, I think think that's the thing. Often people are like, oh, well, I've got all the answers and, you know. I think you're right. I think it actually is just creating the space to say that really sucks and that's all you have to say often and not making it about yourself. That happens too. It's like, (laughs) oh, well, I know that this happened to me. It's like, no, now's not the time for that. It's about you. So I think you don't, because I think we do that as, I think, no, but I think it's a nervous thing. I really think people don't know what to say. I don't think it's intentional. Often we bring it back to ourselves. I think it's because people want to show that they understand Mm. the situation 
situation, but yeah. it does end up sounding like you're trying to take over because your pain was worse or something well, along those lines. Can, that space can be awkward. That that mm. space of nothing can feel awkward. But I think actually, like you're saying, that's actually the best thing. I think it's also that space of feeling someone else's pain or someone else's discomfort can be uncomfortable for us because mm. we're not really in a society that's like, oh, it's okay to feel a bit down in the dumps every now and then mm. we're like you know we got a lot of happy all the time, happy all the time. It up. you know social media everything's like be positive be happy be good good vibes only but actually being able to sit some with someone and connect with them and go wow yeah I don't even know what to say right now I'm just going to sit here with this emotion and I know you'll tell me mm. when you need me to do something but I'm not going to push that I think having that genuine shared emotional experience with some people is the most healing things we can do I think too, like we, we are lucky that we can communicate so easily in a lot of ways. And I know there are places that have got communication problems right mm. now because of the fires. Um, but if you know someone who, like I had some friends that were holidaying on the south coast of New South Wales and I was really worried about them. So I just sent them a text and said, are you guys okay? You know, and they were like, oh yeah, we had to get out and da da And like this long story came out. But I just think it comes back to that are you okay question usually does the trick, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Rupert, thank you for joining us. If someone has more questions and they want a bit more help or especially if they've got some young people in their lives that are finding it a bit difficult, uh, where can they go to find your support? Um, yes. Yeah, so if uh, um, any you know parents out there, friends, um, mm-hmm. friends of young people um, who might have a friend who might be going through a tough time or a young person going through a tough time, definitely um, don't hesitate to reach out. We've got eHeadspace, which is an online support for young people, um, 9am to 1pm in the eastern states, um, or find their local Headspace centre or check out their our Headspace website. has a lot of resources that can be useful for young people, for their family and friends as well. And older people like us as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. No worries. So big episode, really. I know. <laughs> Heavy, but I'm glad because really it's... It's in everyone's faces and I am surprised at how many people from overseas have reached out to me going, oh my goodness, are you guys okay? Mm. That is just amazing. Yes. Mm. I want to say um, I had the privilege of um, using my platform to create a GoFundMe page yep. um, to try and raise some money and it was actually, I wanted to come up with a way that was fair to everybody, whether they donated $2 or $52 or whatever, yep. um, and we gifted a, a treatment package because I wanted to try and create something that yeah. gave, gave back as well. Um, and that's amazing. We just got over $6,000, which Yay. is amazing, and I'm submitting that that actually today. But it's what's interesting, I know a lot of people were very concerned and messaged and said, you know, you realise not all the money's going to where you're donating. And, and whilst I understand that that's part of it, mm. um, I guess that these are organisations as well that have running costs. So I just still think and resort to the fact that doing something is definitely better than doing nothing. And in most instances, the Mm. majority of the funds are going to where they are saying that they are going. Well, I think there's about 11 different, you know, registered charities that are doing a lot of work, be they with people, animals, what have you. Like it's right a big broad spectrum. So if you do want to chip in, like you say, $2 or $52 or however much, there are places that are going to actually put that to good use. And, you know, there's some pretty reliable folks out there like your your Salvos and your Red Cross. They know how to fix a situation, don't they? Absolutely. Hey, until next time, we hope this episode has made you feel a little bit happier, healthier and better. 